0: Let's talk about sex baby let's talk about you and me okay obviously we're not talking about sex right away because we have updates hi guys welcome back to another episode of miss congeniality i literally waited to record the intro until today which is sunday february 6 at 3 30 p.m because i had a busy weekend and i thought that that would be fun to include in the update section of this week's episode which is going to be about sex but until we get before we get Wow, you can tell I had a busy weekend. Before we get to the episode, I'm going to give you guys some really exciting updates that I just don't even know how to comprehend. And the first one is that we are fucking verified on Instagram. And I say we because this is not this is not a one-person team. This is not a one-person job. This did not happen without you. And so you're all verified that blue check is something that symbolizes what all of us mean to each other and not just what you guys are to me or what I am to you. Like it is symbolic of something so much greater in a community that we've built. And I am very thankful. And if you've been supporting me since yesterday or since a year and a half ago, I do not care. I love you all the same. Well, maybe the OGs get an extra little like they're in the VIP access, but I love all of you the same. I love all my children the same, in fact. (laughs) And I'm really excited. I was literally lying in bed with Scorpio Boy and all of a sudden I was like, oh my god, I got verified on Instagram. Like it just, I just saw it and I was like, oh my god, oh my god. I did not know how to process it. I still really don't, but it was like one of the most exciting things to ever happen to me in my life. So that's literally number one. I'm so grateful and thank you so much. Now, right after i got verified chipotle followed me they followed me so they know that we're here we know that this is happening they know they know what's up basically and so keep your eyes peeled because if you story chipotle sunday and then i repost you they will see that and that to me is fame anyway I also booked a trip with my boyfriend to go to Barcelona and London, and we will only be in London for a few days. We're going to fly into Barcelona and then fly right to London. My best friend lives there, so she's putting together an itinerary for us, and Avery um, studied abroad in Barcelona, so we don't really need recommendations, but I'm hoping to plan a little pub meetup in London, all things going well considered. I don't know about doing it in Barca because, honestly, I really want to take this trip to just unplug and be with him and, like, celebrate our relationship. We're coming up on one year, and it's just special to me, and I think I want that time to be just us in Barcelona, but I'm really, I think that more of you happen to be in London than in Barcelona, and so I'm going to make sure to find a time that we can plan, like, a little pup meetup, so don't you worry and stay tuned. Also... If you're in New York City on February the 26th, I will be taking over Cycle Bar Williamsburg and I've made three different spin class orgasm song playlists. Um, the big one and the small ones are all on my Spotify. This is just like this special playlist that you listen to or that like it's like songs that come on in the spin class that make you just feel a certain way like there's no real way to explain what this is you just have to kind of go look at it if that makes sense like you just have to go look at this playlist and then you'll understand even if you don't take spin but i hope that you guys will come out to cycle bar williamsburg we're planning a really fun day for everybody i'm so excited i'll be at all three classes the playlists are incredible i worked on them with the instructors so there's going to be like continuity with the class and everything. And we love that, and we're so excited about it, and I have a really busy fucking month, so... This week, I have the Diesel store opening in Soho on Friday and Valentine's Day prom with my friends. Saturday and Sunday, I'm going with Scorpio Boy to do a staycation for Valentine's Day in Dumbo. But tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday, I'm going to be in Williamsburg, staying at the Williamsburg Hotel to make content for them. I'm going to the Drew Barrymore show with my mom on Wednesday. My tooth tripped again, and I need to get it fixed. I'm going home on Wednesday. I think I'm going to see Alexis and Jazz on Wednesday night. Yeah, so it's really busy. I'm really tired and I really need to get a good night's sleep tonight because it's going to be go, go, go. On top of this, my TED Talk is February 18th. I'm flying into Ann Arbor. Thank God Allie's going to be there because I don't know what I would do without her. And I'm going to do the TED Talk. And then two days later, my whole entire book proposal is due and we're taking it to um, publishers um, in March. And so, yeah, actually, things are really moving fast. And then And it's all exciting, but you know what, guys? I've never been so spread thin in my life. I'm going to LA at the end of the month, and it will be my first time in California to meet with my new manager. And hopefully, there are really cool things coming for the podcast. And I'm just tired and I'm trying to take care of myself. But do you understand how hard it is to take care of yourself? I think you guys probably do. And that could be a whole different episode about self care and how we take care of ourselves. I'm just exhausted. But we truck along, we move through, it's going to be okay. And I'm really excited for all these things coming up. If you're in Ann Arbor, I hope you'll come to the TED Talk. If you're in LA and you see me out and about, I hope that we run into each other. I hope that all of this happens and more. And I hope that we have a wonderful time together as a team. So that's all the updates I had for you guys. Really crazy couple of weeks coming up. I don't know if I'm going to ever catch my breath. But you know what? I'm, I'm trying to do what's best for me and what's best for all of you and to remember that boundaries are healthy and all that good stuff work through my shit and be just be present as cre- and creative as possible. So we're going to do that and that's what we're going to do. And that's all for the updates. And now on to the good stuff that you actually want. Not that you didn't want that, but you know, I have a packed episode today for you guys and I have a very special guest coming on next week and I'll give you one hint Her last name rhymes with bit and her first name rhymes with smelly and I'm excited and I think that's going to be awesome, but you have to just get through this one to get to that one. So welcome to the sexy time episode. I'm really excited about this. I feel like I have good leverage to talk about it, but obviously and as always, we're going to go through my experiences first and we're going to then answer all the questions that you have. So I lost my virginity. Let's just dive right in. I lost my virginity. (laughs) Okay, we're diving right in. We're just getting right into it. We're just not holding back. I lost my virginity when I was 17, I think, or 16. I've talked about this before. It was a longtime friend and we had started to see one another romantically in the summer going into my senior year of high school and his senior year of high school. He was not a virgin. I was. He had had sex with one other person who he had dated very seriously in the earlier days of high school. He was very nice to me. We did not have such a deep emotional connection, but we definitely had a pretty decent emotional connection. I mean, he respected me. He was kind. He didn't pressure me into anything. I knew that he wanted to have sex, but he knew I was a virgin. And... You know, I think it's important that the person knows you're a virgin, not because they should know because it doesn't really matter for them, but because I think it's going to make you more comfortable because if you're about to have sex and you are thinking in your brain like, oh my God, I don't want them to think I'm a virgin, you're going to get really stressed out and then they probably will think something's wrong or that they did something. But if you say, just so you know, I haven't done this before, perfect, perfect. And I think in high school, it's a little bit easier because they're going to assume that you haven't done it before, typically, unless you go to Euphoria High. <laughs> Just kidding. But I think like for me, he asked, he said, like, have you ever had sex before? And that was before I we decided to do it. So like we had a conversation about it. And then I told him when I was ready, which was like in January. And We've been seeing each other for a few months by then, which I thought was really good. And I think You know because virginity is a construct and it's a very heteronormative construct so if you're not having vaginal sex with a penis there are different ways that people take virginity to mean there are different ways that you can lose your virginity and so I think virginity is a construct and I think you know we're gonna break down all the stigma around it but I don't really believe in virginity as much as I just like you've never done it before and I don't think there's a stigma around not doing it you are the one in the driver's seat there and so I think that it you will feel better telling the person And I mean, there's different ways to do it. If it's like a hookup and you're deciding in the moment that you're going to sleep with them, I would pull away from them like while you're hooking up, like while it's getting hot and heavy and be like, by the way, like I don't want to make this awkward and I really don't care, but I've never had sex before and I want to have sex with you. Is that fine or is that cool? And they're going to be like, yeah, that's chill. But just after that, now they know they're not going to like pull out any crazy moves. They're going to go slow because it's probably going to hurt if you're a woman, if you have a vagina, if you're an individual with a vagina, it might hurt. And I think, you know, it's it's important that that person knows to be gentle in that situation. So I do recommend telling someone. And I think if it's somebody that you've known for a bit longer, who you've been seeing, the conversation will probably come up naturally about sex. And then they might say have you ever had sex before or like if you're maybe older if you're in your 20s I think you can just mention like I just have never found somebody that I wanted to do it with but I want to do it with you and I'm down can we just take it a little slow like in the action of it so for me he knew that I was a virgin and I decided one night that I was ready I like literally remember driving over there I I remember getting ready in my bedroom I don't know if I was ready to have sex yet I think I I was a very anxious person Um, but I did want to get it over with, and I don't really know if that's a reason why you should have sex, but I'm just trying to be, like, totally transparent that I did do it in, like, a I-need-to-get-over-with way before college, and, you know, I don't think that I really liked sex until, you know, and we'll get into this until I met somebody who kind of taught me about it more. I think high school sex is very fumbly and embarrassing and stupid. I mean, not always, of course, but I think, you know, it's not going to be good your first time. I don't think that I had an orgasm in a sexual setting with another person until like I was like 20 or 21 and I lost my virginity at like 16, 17. I don't think that that age of man really knows how to pleasure a woman. I mean, maybe times are different. That was 2015. <laughs> I I don't know, but I think that it's not going to be great and you shouldn't like he's not going to make you come. Probably it's not going to be like some fabulous, fantastic, explosive firework moment It'll probably be awkward. It's probably going to hurt a little bit. You might bleed, all of these things. And so I think that that's why it's good that they know and just know that the first time with anybody is a little bit awkward, but it does get better. And, you know, there's a stigma around virginity and it is like, I think that the reason why women tend to be like, well, I want to lose it to somebody that I'm emotionally attached to and men kind of just want to lose it to say they did is because Women and men view intimacy and sex in a very different way. And again, general statement, also heteronormative statement. But women view sex more intimately than men do in a in an emotional way. And men view the act of an orgasm and like coming as a primal urge, like an itch they need to scratch. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. Like obviously, there will be men in your life that will look at it as an intimate thing with you, but what I'm saying is in general, the male, the straight male species sort of looks at it like that, whereas the straight female species sort of looks at it like this really emotional, wonderful, connective thing and that's fine and I think that that's key into understanding the construct of virginity and why virginal women are like you know put on a pedestal or were you know why we wear white dresses at the wedding to symbolize that you're pure that you haven't had sex yet why women would get literally beheaded if they had sex either extramaritally or before they were married like back in the day and like that stuff all gets internalized within us you know We live in a society that has broken from that, but not really. And like, we're taking steps in the right direction, but also are we? And I think, like, subconsciously, we do tell women, like, you know, you shouldn't have that many bodies and blah, 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 blah. And like, you should, you know, keep your legs closed and like, slut, whore, all these things. Like, there aren't words like that for men to signify like that you're dirty. And like, if you watch Bridgerton, you see these guys hooking up with girls left and right, but the women that they were hooking up with were seen as unclean and dirty and the men were seen as totally fine and could still you know assume the throne or whatever else and not to make a Bridgerton reference but it's like it takes two to tango and so we view sex in very different ways when it comes to men and when it comes to women and so I think it's really important to remember that you're allowed to do whatever you want to do I always say like f like a man screw like a man date like a man because there's no reason why you can't be in the driver's seat just as much as they are like It's not just like, oh, we're having sex. Are they going to want to do it again? Also ask yourself, do I want to do it again? Am I having fun? Do I feel good? Am I vocalizing my needs? F like a man. Screw like a man. Period. So that is how I feel about fraternity. That's how I lost mine. After it, I literally took plan B. I literally was so scared even though he used a condom and pulled out. But again, I think that that proved that I wasn't really ready, but I don't regret it if that makes any sense. And then me and that person had sex like two other times when I was in high school and then I went to college. And I remember that I get to college and I got into my sorority and I remember on the first day that we had a little bonding exercise. All the girls were talking about, you know, all the guys they had sex with that like first week, like that welcome week, and I hadn't had sex with anybody, and I was hooking up with a guy um, for like the first month of school, and I wasn't sleeping with him because I was scared, and I kept telling him that I would have sex with him after the sorority bid day because I didn't want to get blacklisted from my sorority because I was sleeping with an older guy, but that was a lie. I really didn't care about that. I was just nervous, and I think it's really good to be honest, and it's okay to also be nervous as well. And I think he could tell that I was inexperienced, but something to note, like, nobody is going to make you feel like shit for being inexperienced in the bedroom. Like, the whole point of sex is that, first of all, it is very natural. Like, if the first time you do it, you'll realize how natural it is. It, like, lives in our bodies, but, and we're supposed to do it. But second of all, you know, we're meant to teach other people how to do it and how to improve. Like there's no way you can figure that out on your own. I mean you could try, but it takes two to tango again. And so I think like he knew I was inexperienced, but I remember him saying things like, Oh, could you do this instead? Or like, oh, like move like that or do this. And like we kept seeing each other. We ended up dating. Like he didn't like make me feel badly about it. And then I came up with this theory that everybody's vanilla in the bedroom until somebody else teaches them how to be kinky. And I think not even kinky, just more spicy, more exciting in the bedroom. And I think that's what he did for me. Like He taught me the ropes and like we had a very passionate sex life after that and I think like it's it's really important that we're also being vocal with our partners. I don't really think I felt comfortable being vocal with him like he never really pleasured me like we definitely had a very like passionate intimate life but he never like you know did anything to like do things for me. It was mostly me doing things for him. And I was obsessed with him, like, in a toxic way. So, like, obviously, I was always wanting to do that. But I think we have to remember, number one, to always teach people, like, what we want and vocalize our needs and also, like, not be afraid to guide them in the right direction because they'll also guide us. And that's how we'll improve together in a partnership. And so that was, like, um, the first, like, you know, relationship that I had or I was having sex. And that was my second sexual partner. Um, And I'm not really going to go through it all and I'm not going to talk about like body count and things like that because I just think again numbers are the key way that we end up comparing ourselves to one another. I would never tell you guys my weight or the amount of calories I ate in a day if I knew or you know the amount of partners I've slept with because it opens the door to you guys looking at me and looking at me as numbers which gives me anxiety but also looking at yourself as numbers which I think is really ridiculous frankly I'm not even sure how many people I've slept with not in a way of like oh it's so astronomically high just that like I don't believe in that number I don't I don't think it's it doesn't mean anything because the whole concept of it is that scientifically the more people you have sex with the looser that the vagina is that's not true it's a complete and total myth also say you have sex a hundred times with the same person or a hundred times with a hundred different people you still did the act with a hundred people a hundred times both like it doesn't make you looser it can't it can't change anything and I understand what I do understand is saying you know I view sex in a super casual way I'd like a partner who feels the same way or I view sex as a really intimate special act and I don't want to have casual sex that's totally fine what I don't think is fine at all is to shame people for their choices around sex and we do it a lot and we basically only do it for women you know if a man has a body count of 25 we say you're so cool you're so great you're so hot you're getting all the girls get the you know get the girls like you're you're great it's like a celebration but if a woman hits 25 or 50 or you know however many bodies it's like you're gross you're disgusting you should keep it under 10 i would never want to date somebody that had that many bodies blah 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 blah. and i think it's okay if you're looking at it as i don't want to date someone who slept with a lot of people who sees sex in a casual way because i don't that's different what i'm saying is you know you're walking around saying it's disgusting to sleep with a lot of people that's just ridiculous and it's internalized misogyny and it's very heteronormative way to think And I think, you know, we we always tell women that they can't, you know, sleep with that many people because it makes them unclean. It makes them undesirable. This all started back in the day when women were literally property that men would trade from uh, father rather to husband. This is your property now. She's clean. She's never had sex with anybody else. But you're marrying you're like, your father's had sex with 10 people and he's marrying you off to a guy said sex with 30 people and it doesn't matter. And those women that he'd had sex with aren't ever going to get married because they're dirty. Make it make sense, you can't. So I I think, you know, body count is definitely an interesting construct that I don't necessarily subscribe to. And I really urge you if you are sleeping with somebody or seeing somebody and they make you feel badly for your body count, I just don't think that they're worth your time. And I, I do have that conversation with my my partners is in boyfriends because I do I am nosy I do like to know like what their past was like I think it's really important to looking into someone's soul and seeing who they are like what was your past dating and sex experience like I think that's totally normal conversation to have or like how many people have you slept with like rough ballpark you know I definitely have those kinds of conversations with my boyfriend I definitely have had those kinds of conversations with all boyfriends but one thing I'm going to recommend is do not lie do not lie And the reason I say it is because I had a boyfriend and he lied to me about how many people he'd slept with and I lied to him and he found out that I'd lied to him and I found out that he'd lied to me and it was really dishonest and it was really bad for our relationship and it proved that we'd never last. And the way I found out was also really hurtful and I'm sure it was equally hurtful the way he found out. And basically, when they were discussing, like, sex without a condom, I asked him to, if he'd ever done it before. He said yes. I said who. He didn't really answer. I started ask, going through the list of four girls he said he had slept with, and he told me it was this other girl, and... I had never known about her before he'd only ever told me he slept with four people and then he told his girlfriend after me who's now his ex that he only slept with two people other than her and I think it's really toxic behavior because first of all it continues to stigmatize sex it continues to stigmatize body count it continues to make women feel bad about themselves and I did it too and my number one thing is don't lie because why would you ever want to be with somebody who would make you feel badly for how many people you've slept with I genuinely think it's awful I genuinely don't think it's a good quality of a person again if you find out that somebody has 40 sexual partners and that they love casual sex and you're somebody who's had two sexual partners and you don't do casual sex you don't see eye to eye that is totally fine and different same thing of like if you're waiting till marriage I truly believe that you should be with somebody who's also waiting till marriage because I like to have sex in my relationships I'm a very sexual person I want to be with somebody who matches my libido who matches my the things that I need and crave and the things that I want you should be with this you should be with a person that wants the same as you if you're like waiting till marriage or if you like to have sex three times a day. And I don't think that libidos have to match up exactly, but I do think that they have to match up roughly. So for example, I did date somebody after the other person that I just mentioned and he just did not have a libido at all. Um I don't know why. We never really talked about it, but it made me feel incredibly undesired and I expressed that to him a lot of times and he wasn't able to really Tell me anything about why he didn't want to do it other than the fact that he just said it made it less special when we did it more often which I just didn't subscribe to and I felt very distant from him and it made me feel incredibly undesired which is not mutually exclusive with whatever he was dealing with that was making him not want to have sex but because he couldn't give me a concrete reason it just felt like it was me. And that never would have worked out because our libidos are different and he should be with somebody that can match that and have sex, you know, once every 10 days or once every two weeks. And I should be with somebody that wants to match mine. So I think they don't have to match exactly like I want to have sex every day and they want to only have sex five times a day. Okay, that's doable. You can work on that. But I'm talking like they want to do it twice a month and you want to do it twice a week. You know, that's really different. And I think libidos our libidos change and they fluctuate depending on a lot of things our mood, our happiness, our depression, our anxiety, the medications we're on, yada, yada, yada. And that is totally normal. And I think you have to be really open and honest with your partner, especially if it's in a relationship, about where you're at with that and why your libido might be lower, or if you feel like I don't give you enough or we do it too much, or blah, 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 blah. It's really important to think about that. And so I don't think that libido is like end all, be all, but I do think that they need to roughly. like match out for it to make sense and I don't know if that conversation is necessarily as prevalent or relevant in casual settings I don't know like what it really like it depends I guess if you're having like a one night stand or if you're going to be seeing someone kind of consistently I am not like a very casual sex oriented human being and I struggled with it because I was surrounded by people in college who either were or they were pretending that they were And I just don't like it. It doesn't make me feel good. And I'm never going to yuck somebody else's yum. If it makes you feel so great and that's what you like to do, then do it. There's no stigma. But for me, I've tried it it's not my cup of tea. I struggle with it. I, I I just don't like to do it. And I'm more talking like one night stands and less like situationship style things. You know, when I know somebody and I feel comfortable with them and they're a part of my life, that's fine. But I think in college, a lot of times, you know, you would hear stories in your sorority or with your friend group or whatever, the girls in your hall. And they would be talking about, you know, the guys they were hooking up with. And if you weren't having sex with someone casually, you were feeling left out. And there's no way to really not have casual sex And still have a situationship because it's not like high school and things are now more mature. And I think I struggled with that for a little bit in college because I obviously tried having one night stands and I just didn't like it. It wasn't my cup of tea. It wasn't it wasn't interesting to me. I wasn't I didn't like it. I didn't feel good after I craved the more intimate things that I had with people who, you know, I was emotionally invested in. And my issue is not that I would get emotionally invested in people that I was casual with. I would just, you know, be like, it's so much better for me when I'm emotionally invested in someone and they're emotionally invested in me. This, whatever this is, feels a little bit more, you know, like an action, like a transaction. And I don't like that, but I know people that do. And that's great. And so I think, you know, the hookup culture world I struggled with for a while until I realized that I'm under no obligation to have casual sex if I don't want to. And so, you know, I, I had some flings. I had some situationships that edged on, you know, moving to more, but they didn't. And those were people that I was happy to be intimate with. But I I did struggle when it came to, you know, anything casual. I didn't want that. And I think you have to be okay with that. You know, if you don't want that, you don't have to have it. Nobody's here forcing you to. And I think that's especially true in college. You know, you, you might feel left out or something like there's no left out like you're making a choice for you that's going to honor your life in the best way and I think it's really important to remember that it's okay if that choice is to have casual sex every day or to have casual sex once a year to not do it at all and you know in casual sexual settings you're probably not going to find somebody who wants to like get on your page exactly and you might and especially if it's a reoccurring thing but in college I found that those things were transactional and it sort of felt like it was just for male completion and I think that we're really pulling away from sex only being for male completion, but I don't necessarily know that I ever felt good or empowered in a sexual setting until I was 20 years old and I was with somebody older than me, so I was 20, he was 24, and I just... and obviously doesn't need to be older, but we were comfortable with one another. He was very in touch and confident in his own sexuality and his own sex, you know, drive and, and the way he viewed sex. And like, he was able to always make me feel good and would prioritize that over himself. But I think societally, we look at sex for male completion. It ends when the guy finishes. And so if he doesn't do anything for you before that, then it's going to be just done. And I think that that's also a very heteronormative way to look at it. But I'm talking from my experiences, which are heterosexual, cisgendered relationships. And so I think, you know, for most of my earlier sexual experiences, it was for male completion. And I felt like I was doing everything I could to make him feel good. And if he ever felt, asked me, like, what do you like or something like that? I would be just too embarrassed to say and I would say whatever you want. And I think that's like a fatal flaw because, again, F like a man, screw like a man. If a man liked a certain thing, he would tell you. He would go do it. He would ask for it. He would be vocal about it. And there's literally nothing embarrassing and no reason why you can't do the same. This society has literally just told us that we can't do the same, that it's not okay, that it's inappropriate, that it's not ladylike. Fuck being ladylike for society's idea of what a lady is. I'm a lady. I love to be proper and polite. And I also love to F like a man because that's just what I do best. But I always wasn't like that. You know, I struggled with being vocal and being comfortable telling somebody what I wanted. And I remember that first person to like introduce me to that was like somebody I dated. who was 24 and I was 20. Um, And they, he was just, you know... Really great about being like, I want to make you feel good. I want to do things for you. I want to go down on you. I want to, you know, play around with this. And I think that's something that I didn't know existed. I was like, what the hell? This is somebody that's like actually wanting to prioritize my pleasure and my needs. And like when he started to do that, I started to like sex a lot more than I did because before I just felt like I was a body. It was a transaction, even with people I was dating, because number one, they were not asking me what I wanted or what I liked. And number two, I was not being vocal about it if they didn't ask. And now I simply would not date somebody or be with somebody or have any intimate relation with somebody who did not prioritize my needs. And I think, you know both parties have to become comfortable enough to be vocal and it's not always that the man is the most vocal person alive but I think it is important that we are looking at it as this is a two-way street we're both gonna either finish or one of us is but you know seven times out of ten we're both going to get to whatever way we have to get there and I think like unpacking the shame was really important for me and realizing like nothing about the way he's having sex and looking at it and the way I'm having sex and looking at it is different except for the fact that society tells me I'm not allowed to be vocal, I'm not allowed to ask for things, and society tells him, definitely do that, you deserve to feel good, society tells women, you don't deserve to feel good, you deserve to make men feel good, you're here in this sexual setting because you need to have a child, you need to get a child to put inside of you by somebody else, it always feels like he's starting the engine, right, because, you know, sex was is initially and, you know, at the baseline level for procreation, and we think of it as procreation and then as, you know, leisure, and maybe we we don't maybe we think of it the opposite way but you know what I mean and when we look at it we think man has the goods that he gives to a woman so that she can grow a baby for him so that he, this baby can t- make his legacy last take on his estate assume positions of power in the world that's why men wanted sons so bad and when they had daughters they would just be like Ugh, okay you know what I mean we see that imagery in so many films and tv shows about like older generations and older time periods and so I think you know like we looked at it as like man jump starts this but then it started to become about leisure and pleasure and it started to become much more complicated than just you know man is putting this inside of her so that he can get that child to take over when he's gone. And I think it's really important for us to unpack our own sexual shame when we are working toward feeling uncomfortable in the bedroom and actually experiencing pleasure. And again, nothing is embarrassing unless we make it that way. If you ask someone, hey, can you put your hand here and do this? Or hey, could you go down on me? Or hey, could we bring a toy into the bedroom? Or could you say this or do this? Or like, I really liked when you did that. If they said no, First of all I literally cannot think of someone that would say no that is a good person but if they said no they're so not worth it because there is somebody that would do it without you even asking and if you did ask or you did suggest they'd be like hell yeah I'm here to make you feel good just like you're here to make me feel good and I think that that's why these conversations are a bit easier to have when we're in a relationship with someone but nonetheless they should always be had when we're in sexual settings with someone and I think you know we've talked about this already but there is a lot of shame attached to sex for women we feel shameful when we have casual sex because we're told we're not allowed to but I'm here to tell you you are allowed to you're allowed to do that you're allowed to do anything a man does literally anything what is the difference you know and if you look at it about you break it down like what if you're two lesbians having sex and then there's no man like you're both allowed to feel good there's no shame there you're allowed to have sex if you're two gay men if you're two transgender and non-binary individuals you're or whatever you are you're allowed to enjoy sex and there's a lot of shame I think the way that we raise our children is a really big one sometimes you know there are discussions of religion or trauma or Maybe parents don't talk about sex at all. And I think that all of those things are very deeply tied to the shame that we feel. And I hope to one day raise a very sex-positive group of children of my own. And I don't necessarily think that my parents were, like, sex-positive, but they weren't sex-negative. Like, we didn't talk about sex freely in the way that I hope to talk about it with my children. And I don't, and I think part of the real issue is that we lie to kids. Kids say how our baby's made, we lie to them. The fuck? Why does it matter? There's no shame. There's no stigma. It's not inappropriate. Like, yeah, you're naked. Okay, who cares? Everyone's naked. You're born naked. I don't know. It's so, so weird to me. I'll never lie to my kids. I will never lie to them about that. I I think that a good way to do it, I don't know why I'm going off on this tangent now, but I think a good way to do it is, like, if your child asks where do babies come from, you can say, you know, When two people love each other very much, there are things that they can do together with one another to produce babies, and it's very scientific and beautiful, and when you're a little bit older, we'll talk a little bit more about that, and if my kid goes to school and tells every other fucking kid in the kindergarten class how babies are made, mazel tov, congratulations, my kid's a genius, my kid's a sex-positive little baddie wearing a vagina t-shirt, what What does your kid? Think that the stork came? No, bitch. Your kid thinks gays should be damned to hell no bitch no my kids here to save the day period so I think that we have to really trace it back we have to trace all of this back because it is so much to unpack and there is so much shame linked to sex for so many different reasons and I'm urging you to try to journal it out and unpack that for yourself and find the things that make you feel good I think that something that's so important is that you can only know what makes you feel good in a sexual setting if you tried it out yourself and if you've like looked into it and done some research, you're allowed to like what you like, you know what I mean? Like, you're allowed to like what makes you feel good, and that's totally fine, and I think that, you know, we so often, like, we don't let women experience themselves, we don't urge them to explore sexuality themselves, we urge men to do it, we urge men, like, Oh, you like this? You like that? You like hair pulling? You like choking a girl? I don't know what the other things are. I don't know what their prerogative is, but we don't urge women to discover what things they like on their own. And I think you have to unpack all the shame and you have to figure out what you like on your own to really bring it into the bedroom and enjoy sex and have a really good sexual experience with someone also you have to talk about sex and I was so I don't know if I was nervous to talk about sex I really don't think I ever was but people just weren't doing it and I'm not talking like oh you guys had sex like was it good was it big like okay first of all sex is not good if you don't if you don't get any pleasure from it like I'm not saying that you have to finish every time but if he's not like doing something down there or they're not like you know helping you out it's not good it's not good. I don't think I had good sex till I was 20. And you think it's good because it's all you know. And because we're told that, you know, penis in the vagina is good. No, like no. And it's so unclean for women to talk about sex. But with men, it's fine. But if I do it, it's dirty and impolite and I'm not a lady and I could never aspire to a position of power. But if men do it, it's cool. It's rock and roll. It's kind of stupid, right? Like it's so silly when we break it all down. And a lot of this is tied to religion, and that's fine. I'm not going to criticize any religion or any preference. Like I said, I don't yuck other people's yum. I don't give a fuck what other people do in the bedroom. I don't care as long as nobody's getting hurt or assaulted. I seriously don't give a shit. Like, fuck who you want to fuck. Do what you want to do. I don't care. If you want to wait till marriage, go off, bestie. Pop off. Do that. That's fine with me. I'm not doing it, and you're not going to look down on me because I didn't do it because I'm not going to look down on you because you are. You know what I mean? Like neither of us are on a pedestal. I'm having sex and I'm not married. You're not having sex and you're not married. Great. Wonderful. I'm so glad we had that chat. I don't care what you do. So I think that's another thing, like the, the being of it being a stigma at all. You know, I think it adds to the stigma. Do I think it's like necessarily like the choice I would ever make? No, I don't want to make that choice, but I'm never going to shame somebody else because they did, if that makes sense. And I also think like we're, we're meant to be uncomfortable or, like, embarrassed when sex comes up. It's meant to be, like, a secret. It's not a secret. Who cares? Everybody has sex. Literally almost everybody in the world will have sex in their life. Period. Right? Like, and, and when women talk about sex, they're looked at as, like, crazy and gross. And men just do it. And I think that that's so stupid. <sighs> okay, so that was a long rant. And then I asked you guys a bunch of questions that you might have about Let's talk about sex, baby. So now we're going to answer all your questions. Okay, so the first question is letting go from the mental strain of not being able to orgasm. So I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think that the male orgasm is a very physical thing. It is a physical sensation. And the female orgasm is, yes, a physical thing, but it is also a very complicated mental battle. And you have to sort of clear your head in order for it to happen when you're with somebody else. Now, most women cannot orgasm from penetrative sex. It needs to be clitoral stimulation. So however you want to make that happen, you can make that happen. Whether it's foreplay or if you want to bring a vibrator into the bedroom, I really recommend it. I don't know why there's any stigma around bringing vibrators into the bedroom. Who cares? Do it. Also, Men should not see vibrators as their competition. Men need to see vibrators as their teammate because they are. Men will almost never be able to make women come during the sexual act, during like penetrative sex without a vibrator or a finger on there. And it's hard because that's multitasking. They let you use your own little bullet vibrator. I like the Lola one. I think it's amazing. Great. Wonderful. Cool. Awesome. You know, like I think that's really good. That's really great. And I think you need to practice on your own, frankly. And I think that people, masturbation for men, again, such a casual thing. Like, let me just, men are like, let me just jerk off, jack off. They talk about it with their friends. Women, it's like, hush, hush. Like, I don't remember ever having a conversation about that with friends until I was 20, again. And so I think, like, you know, it's not a big deal. And you need to practice on your own in order to let go with someone. I think comfort is really good and i can not stress this enough communication if you say this is going to make me feel great amazing and i do recommend actually if you're nervous about being like can we bring a vibrator into the bedroom just say i was watching this podcast or listening to this podcast or i watched this tiktok and this girl was talking about this vibrator that she brought into the bedroom and it literally changed her sex life with her boyfriend could we try it out blame it on me i do not care Tell them it was me. You can literally give them this episode and then just tell them not to listen to minute 38 and be like, yeah, like she says this, like, can we try it? You know, she says it really works, you know, because it does. And I think comfort is really important. And I think all the stigma that we talked about breaking down and, you know, unpacking your own shame is going to help you to feel comfortable enough to get there because it is a mental Olympics battle. Don't put pressure on yourself. When we converse about why we cannot have orgasms, we will not have them for longer. So when we're telling a male partner, like, it makes me so sad that you can't come. I feel undesired. He's going to feel so much more stressed out. And stress stands in the way of orgasms, as does alcohol, as does any drugs. So I think that you have to remember, like, just relax, have a glass of wine, put on some sensual music, set the mood lighting and try it out first on your own and that's gonna be really helpful. Okay, the next one, how to have casual sex when it makes you feel like shit, don't, don't. I already said this, there's so much pressure to have casual sex in college, to feel like you're cool enough. It is, the coolest thing you can do is make a choice for yourself that makes you feel good. I didn't like it, I tried it, I was like, not for me, no thanks. I'm gonna find people that I wanna have lasting relationships with and then I'm gonna have intimate relations with them and then I can contribute to these conversations from that standpoint. Fine, you don't, it's not cool to have a lot of sex if it makes you feel like shit. Just like it's not cool to have no sex if you wanna have sex. Like what's cool is choosing how to, how you're gonna have sex, how sex is gonna be for you, what it means to you. That is cool. And I wish we told more women about that. Okay, somebody said, you know, going through dry spells with a significant other. So I think that, again, communication needs to happen. If you notice that typically you, ha- you guys have sex twice a week and all of a sudden it becomes once every two weeks say something like it feels like we're not having sex as much as we normally do like should we talk about this or like what's going on I think it's very normal to have dips and I think like you know you hear that like when people get married um they just like stop having sex when they have kids because like the mom's exhausted the dad resents them blah, blah 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 I read an article an essay recently about how this woman said that Everybody in like the mommy and me groups was talking about how they had no sex and their husband resented them when she had her first kid. And she felt like such an asshole because she was having so much sex with her husband and their sex life had been better than ever. I truly hope that that's how it is for me. But I think it's normal to have dips and it's like, it's very independent to each thing. Like, you know, your relationship to your boyfriend and your best friend's relationship to her girlfriend or boyfriend or partner is going to be very different when it comes to sex. And I think that's okay. And I think the only thing that can truly fix that is communication. And on the topic of communication, you know, it's not weird think about it this goes back to f like a man if a man said it would feel really good if you moved your hand like that okay you would be like sure thanks or if he said hey can you do this instead it feels so good you'd be like oh my god yeah of course and then it would feel good for him and you would feel really really good about yourself imagine if you were just like hey can you do this with your hand or like next time could we do this instead or like it would make me feel so good if we could do that he'll be like oh yeah for sure I really want to, I want to try and I want to make you feel good then he would do it you would like it and he would be like oh yeah, that was great. Communication is key. F like man. Okay. Body issues and sex. I cannot explain this enough or stress this enough. Women, we have our little belly pooch, little pouch, covers our uterus. It's there. We have stretch marks. We have rolls. We have whatever. You might have tiny boobs. You might have huge boobs. You might think that your vagina, he does not care. (laughs) I cannot stress this enough. He does not care. Nobody does. Nobody cares. And if they do, they don't deserve to be having sex with anybody. I promise you what is going through his head is not her stomach rolls look weird when she's on top. It's, oh my fucking God, I'm having sex with this hot goddess. I can't believe that we're having sex right now. You have to assume the best and then the best comes true. I swear to God, no man is having sex with you thinking, look at our stretch marks. And if he is, he's not going to want to do it again. You're going to know and you're going to block him and he's not going to deserve anything. And then karma's a bitch and he's going to come get him and he's going to bald at age 24. I promise you he is only thinking wow does she look good wow is this the hottest thing I've ever experienced in my life I swear I can't trust it enough you have to assume the best and I get it sometimes we feel like shit about our bodies having sex with people does not fix those problems we need to put the ball before the horse of course it's not mutually exclusive you can be working on your relationship to your body and having sex at the same time but don't have sex to try to fix things because you think affirmation from men is going to fix it you need to unpack that on your own so that you can share yourself with somebody and feel really good about that because this sex is something that feels good and it is complicated and we've been talking about how complicated it is this whole time but it's complicated in a good way in a way that makes it so special and interesting and something that I love to discuss and dive into because I think it is so interesting okay the next one is wearing lingerie all right i'm going to break everyone's heart here for a second men don't really care about lingerie They don't have the eye for those fashion details. If you are in a lesbian relationship, I'm so jealous because your girl is probably like, fuck, that's hot. She looks stunning. Like, your girlfriend is probably living for that. Your partner is probably living for that. Straight men, they kind of will look at it and be like, that's nice, but they want what's underneath, right? And so I say to only do it on special occasions because they anticipate it on special occasions. It makes it a little bit more special and it makes you feel really good. It makes you feel more confident and you feel spicier. And that's why men like it. I know this from so many men. I have so many sources that say this. If you're spending $500 on lingerie, he's literally not going to know the difference between that and the $10 version on Target or the $10 version on Amazon. Like he's not going to know the difference. I like to wear lingerie because it makes me feel good. And I've come to the conclusion that I do it for me and not for men. Okay, you guys asked about threesomes. I've never had a threesome. The only thing I can say about threesomes, first of all, no kink shaming here. I don't even think the threesomes are a kink though. They're kind of like normal. Um, I just think that you should never have a threesome to save your relationship. You should always do it to advance it. It should not be had if your relationship is failing and falling apart to try to fix it because it's gonna make it worse. Threesomes should be had when you've never felt better or stronger about your relationship. Okay, having confidence in bed. So confidence in the bedroom does not come from just thin air like you have to work on it. But I think f like a man is a really good rule of thumb because they're confident in the bedroom. Like even if they're like so bad in bed, they're always confident. There's nothing stopping you from being confident and confidence is the sexiest thing you can be. He's going to have such a better experience or she or they're going to have such a better experience when you are confident. Obviously, it's hard to get there. I get it. But you know what? Once I realized that like I'm a gift and like I'm giving my body to this person and they get to have that, holy shit, what a present. And if I'm confident about that and I'm rocking what I have and I'm showing them what's good they're gonna be all over it it's it's foolproof and of course like it's hard to get comfortable when someone goes down on you or whatever it is but like I can't stress it enough like make yourself feel good put on perfume for you wear the bra and underwear you like like do the perfume on the hip bones rule like when someone's going down on you don't be afraid to be vocal if it feels good to touch your boobs or put your hands in their hair or like move their hand like confidence is what they want they don't want you to just sit there they like they really don't nobody wants a dead fish situation so I think like it's obviously hard to get there but we're going to unpack our shame we're going to unpack the stigma and then we're going to start deciding what we like and the next step is bringing it into the bedroom and being confident okay saying no and saying yes because it's easier. So I think that this is something that we hardly ever discuss, and it is very, very common for women. No is the most powerful word that we have in the human English language. The word no. I cannot stress it enough. I do not want to talk about sexual assault and trauma today. It's something that I have trouble discussing, and I'm so sorry because I saw questions about it. I just, I'm not going to. So that's another conversation about no. No. But I'm discussing saying no when someone asks to do something and then they respect it. If someone says, Do you want to have sex or do you want to do this or things are escalating and you say, No, not really or not today, and they respect it and they say, Okay, and they don't try to push at you, that's first of all a good person and the bar's in hell. But it's okay to say no. Allow yourself to have that word in your toolkit because something that I have done and so many other people have done, which is a universal experience that is not discussed because it's almost impossible to, to unpack, is saying yes because it's easier than saying no and as women we are afraid to let men down. You are allowed to say no. And there is no shittier feeling than saying yes because it feels like less confrontation and you don't want to let him down. And maybe you do eventually want to have sex and you're afraid that the word no would stave them off for that. First of all, if you say no to a guy and then he doesn't talk to you again because you said no, you didn't want to have sex with him in the first place. So saying no could weed out the asshole that you don't want to give yourself up to anyway. When you say yes because it's easier than saying no, I'm sure that person, there's a good chance that they might've been like, okay, I totally understand. And if they did that, you would feel so much better. And also, eventually, if you did want to have sex with them, you would feel so great about that choice too. And then if you did say no, like, and you're scared of saying no, and they said, okay, well, then I never want to see you again. Great, I also never want to see you again. Good thing I dodged that bullet. I don't want you a part of my life. I don't want to give that to you. You don't deserve that. I think that when we say yes, because it's easier to say yes, it can be really hard to deal with because It isn't necessarily categorized as assault when you confirm and consent yes and you're sober and in the back of your head, you just want it to be over and wish you didn't do it. Literally makes me want to throw up. It's the worst feeling in the world and it's hard because then you look back on it and you're like, I consented to them. I cannot stress it enough. Say no, take up the space to say no because nobody wants to feel like they did something that they didn't want to do. And especially when it's something big and intimate, say no. And I promise you a good person is going to say I totally respect that. Let's just watch a movie. Or, okay, let's just make out. We won't go any further. Say no. It is okay to say no. Okay, how to get a partner to tell you what they like in bed if they're the one that's being shy. I think that you just have to say, like, what's like your sexual fantasy? I think that's a really fun question because it will show you the kind of stuff that they're interested in. You could watch something together that gets you guys in the mood. You could say, you could like just take note in your head when you do something, try out a couple things, see what makes them like the most obviously and physically turned on. Just be like, can I ask like what kind of stuff you like in bed? Cause I want to like do what's best for you. Also, two things you could play. There's the Drunk in Love card games and the We're Not Really Strangers card games. There are like X-rated versions, quote unquote, that could get to those questions in a very fun drinking game vibe way where it's not like you putting them on the spot. Also, the New York Times 36 questions in love. You can look it up. It's really great. That might also get somewhere. I think that these things are they have so many or Serena Kerrigan's card game like all of these card games are really really good for things like this because it avoids the fact that you would have to look in them in the eyes and be like what do you like in the bedroom and instead it could just like very casually come out in conversation okay fear around initiating sex this goes back to f like a man men are gonna just initiate it when they want it and you should just do that too. And if for some reason somebody says, I'm just not interested tonight, if you said that, you wouldn't feel embarrassed. You wouldn't want them to feel embarrassed. So don't feel embarrassed if the person's just not down. Like, it's not something to feel embarrassed about. Like, you're still equally desired. Like, they just don't feel like it tonight, and you tried. But normally when you shoot your shot, you're gonna make a basket, babe. Again, assume the best okay, period sex, I'm all for it. I think it really is a great time for our libidos. I think the hormones are in the right place. I think men that think it's gross are stupid, and I think that I just don't do it on day two or three because it's an absolute mess, and I frankly just don't want to be touched, but like days one and four, I'm big into it. You can take a shower after, just put down a towel. It's great. It's natural lubricant. We love that. Okay, what else? Fake moaning and making noises. I just don't, I I really don't recommend faking it. It's not going to help anybody. And then they're going to think that the things that they're doing are things that you like. Don't fake it. Don't fake it. If you feel the need to fake it, it's probably not the right person. I would really just be like, hey, like I actually don't feel like a man would never fake an orgasm probably because he can't, but he also wouldn't. So why should you? You wouldn't fake like a friendship. Like don't, put on a production for no reason because then they're gonna think what they're doing is good and you're gonna continue to have shitty sex instead be like I don't know really what could solve this but what we're doing right now isn't really it's not really helping I don't really feel you know like I'm getting close I would rather like we talk about it don't fake orgasms and don't fake moan nobody wants you to be like uh it's like not real let things happen impulsively as they happen I cannot stress it enough like make noises as they feel good to make fake moaning is stupid I there I said it don't do it if you're not somebody who likes to make a lot of noises that's fine I'm somebody who likes when someone else talks to me in bed so I ask I'll say can you talk to me how easy was that oh my god and then they'll say sure I like that that's something that I prefer so just say what you want don't make noises that are fake and don't fake orgasms okay intimacy after a breakup So I think the first person that you're going to have sex with after you broke up with a long-term boyfriend or girlfriend or partner is going to be, it's going to be rough. It's not going to feel the same. It's not going to be as intimate. It's kind of the thing that you just have to get over with when you're ready. I do kind of like in a breakup, like I think that the first step should always be like you make out with someone and you don't go any further and you like don't get their name. And then maybe you go on a first date and then eventually you're slowly going to start to unpack, okay, I I kissed someone else. I went on a date with someone else. Maybe I'm ready to have sex with someone else. And if you are, you're going to do it and it's going to be fine. And that's what it is. You're going to, it's going to suck a little bit, but it's the kind of thing that you get over with. And each time it's going to get easier and you're going to forget what it felt like to have sex with that person. Also, oh my God, I can't stress enough when we say, I'm never going to have sex that good again. You are, you really, you are, because once you figure out what makes you feel good, it's not that hard. And when you love someone, sex is way better, in my opinion. And you're going to have great sex when you're in love. And you're going to have great sex when you're not in love. You're going to have different sex. It's different with each partner we have. And you can't say stuff like, I'm never going to have good sex again. Like, you are. You literally are. Period. End of story. Last question. How to make things spicier? Get a book of Kama Sutra. Kama Sutra. However you pronounce it. Get a vibrator. Get some toys. Go to a sex shop. Go to the sex museum. Make it a little date. Pick some things out. Be weird. Watch something together that's sensual. Experiment it's fine. That's life. Like we only have one life to live. Like F like a man, an experiment, period. End of story. Okay. Now that we just talked about sex for an hour, I'm going to do the funny thing, the deep thing and the pop culture thing. The funny thing is about a potato. So uh, my freshman, sophomore year of college, as you guys know, a five adult was stringing me along. I was heartbroken. I was pathetic, whatever. I wanted revenge on him, which is interesting because revenge doesn't work. The only thing that works is success and silence. That's the best revenge revenge in an action backfires because it just shows the person that you're thinking about them and gives them attention that they want because they want to know that that's true so um I decided that I was going to send him a potato parcel which is an actual website potatoparcel.com, and they have potatoes and they inscribe them with a message for you and I had them inscribe you suck on it and I had it shipped to his frat house under his name with an anonymous mailing address and an anonymous name I did it. I did that. I swear to God. And he I continued to see him after I did that. And he never, ever brought it up. I have no clue if he ever got the potato. Kind of want to know because it was like $19. I thought it was the funniest thing in my life at the time. It's not funny. It's sort of pathetic. And can you imagine that arriving to a frat house? And can you imagine how shocked and concerned he was? And can you imagine how he just thought it was funny? Like there's no shock. He thought that that was weird. Yeah. Yep. Okay. so that's the funny thing. The deep thing is last night our parents met for the first time, and it was really special, and I think these things do not have to be complicated. They don't have to be complex. They don't have to be so, such a huge step. They're allowed to just be. Our parents really got along. I could see them being friends, and if we break up, okay, our parents met. The stakes are so incredibly low in in life at all times. Like, sometimes the stakes are high, but the stakes here were low. We had dinner. It was lovely. I really saw him and my dad, which was something I didn't really expect, and I It was really nice to just sit there and watch our parents get to know each other. It was really special. So that's the deep thing. And then our pop culture thing. And it goes along with today's episode. I heard that Carity Levine has a vagina tunnel in her freaking house. And I'm gonna look into it, make a TikTok on it. Apparently she took architectural digest through her house and she has this vagina tunnel and I'm not really sure exactly what it is, but it has this little like door that she crawls through and it looks like a vagina when you look in it. And I don't know what's in there, but on the other side, it's like an oven door that she comes out to the other side, which is a different room in her mansion. And she says she goes in there to be creative and to think and reflect. And I'm like, okay, so I need a fucking vagina tunnel. I need the vagina tunnel and I need it now. I want to be creative and reflect in this soft, cozy vagina tunnel period, end of story. So we just went on for way too long and I'm starving. I hope you liked today's episode. I hope you're excited for the guest next week. I hope you're taking care of yourselves. I hope this taught you something. If you buy the Lola Vibrator or you try out anything that I mentioned on today's episode, please DM me and let me know. If you need anything, I'm always here. You can just DM me. I'm so happy that we got to do this and spend this time together. I love you guys so much. Sending you a huge hug. If nobody's told you lately, I am proud of you. You are worthy unpack all the stigma, all the shame, figure out what you like, and then F like a man, baby. I'll see you next week.